Your go-to girls, Jill Vanek and Lauren Sherwin, flip the script and give you a weekly dose of career advice, banter, and the insider office gossip. You have all heard the phrase, your go-to guy. We are Are your your go-to girls. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Go-To Girls podcast. It sounded so official. Thank you, because tonight <laughs> we're talking all things having difficult work conversations. Yes. we're. I mean, I feel like both of us are in the trenches we're in with it. this. Yeah. We're having some difficult conversations. So we're doing this podcast because we also need these tips. And to like learn yeah, from each sure. other and what we've experienced and what's going on, because starting a new job, you're kind of afraid to have some of the tough conversations because you're still in like learning mode as I'm only six months in. And for you being 18 months in, you're starting to see what your actual load is. And then you have to have conversations around what that job actually looks like. Exactly. Exactly. So crucial conversations forever. Like you're always going to have them. doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. Just be ready to learn the key tips and tricks to get through those conversations. That's what we got. But I mean, first, you know, we got to give you a little BS. Um, Things were too old for. Things were too old for. We were just talking. A lot. We were just talking about this. A lot of things I'm too old for. Like my patience lately is bare minimum. I'm starting to realize like there's things in life where like, wow, like how I did that in my (laughs) 20s, like how I thought that was okay or acceptable or like could make, could make that that is, is mind blowing to me. Well, you know what? I wish I wasn't too old for. Do you remember in your twenties, literally right out of college, do you remember going out on a Saturday night? It wasn't like, Oh, let me grab dinner. You went out like 20 people deep. Yeah. It, like I miss that actually. <laughs> I, yeah. Cause I, when I, I was in my twenties, I was in Orlando and we would just okay. ride deep with like 15 people right. and you went all the, right, the whole crew went out the whole crew went out and like you did pool parties or all this stuff but there was like a crew there was like a sea of people in your 20s that you just did a bunch of stuff with and you know what my favorite part still to this day even if it's like one-on-one like a night yeah my favorite part of all time is the debrief the next day like calling your friend or if they sleep over or just like recounting the night and what boy was there and what happened. Yep. And like, I want to debrief about everything. Right. And like who Irish goodbye, yes. who stayed late, who did you notice was hanging out with who? Was right. there any new guys that showed up for the girl? Like, yes, that's like the best part of like debriefing actually what happened. I really, I mean, again, I kind of wish <laughs> we, I wasn't too old for that. So we'll do it for your 40th and then we'll debrief on 100%. your 40th. Because you're going to be throwing a banger for your big 4-0. You guys, I was talking to Lauren. I am 1,000% throwing a major banger. You're all invited to this. I'll have details about where it is next episode. And I can't wait to see the GoTo Girls community that shows up to this event. Oh, big time. Well, I feel like show GoTo up. Girls, when they hear the words open bar, are going to be yeah. like, mm, ding, ding, ding. Ding, 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 ding. When do I show up and what time? No, but we were sitting here and we're talking about stuff that in our like early thirties and our late thirties, we're starting to get old, too old for certain things. Too old. Well, okay. My biggest thing, and I feel like I was too old 10 years ago. I still to this day in the dead of winter bust out laughing when you pass ladder 15. Yeah. And my Philly people know what we're talking about. It is like the diviest dive bar. And there are girls in mini skirts and heels, January 2nd, ready to go get out of my life. Wear a coat. Wear a coat. Guess what? I wish someone had told me no one gives a shit. 
wear jeans, wear flats, like look ugly. Who cares? Wear a winter wardrobe, put on a winter coat for God's sakes. But I mean, I used to do that in my twenties when I would go to the bars. Same. I had no coat. You would wear no clothes in January. These ridiculous heels. You had no idea how you're getting home because Uber didn't exist then. And you were just like, it was like taxis. That yeah, or like buses, buses. to get back on campus. We had like the yeah, pan yeah, bus, yeah, yeah. which is exactly. always full, and you couldn't get on it, so you had to take taxis, which we didn't have, like didn't exist in Iowa City. See, we had something called DOPS, which was like safe rides, like back in the day in college. Nice. Like you could call, basically, it was like an Uber, but it was students who would pick you up, pick and you, get you up, home safe, and or like take you to other parties. It was kind of genius. They should have invented Uber, to be honest with you. They really should. I mean, they were the Uber before they Uber became it. They dropped the ball. They dropped the ball. That is one thing. Okay. Also, give me your take on Halloween because I I have a lot of thoughts on this. It's coming. It's coming in hot at the end of the month. It is coming. And I will be in Charlotte for Halloween. Oh, okay. No, I'm in Charleston for Halloween. Oh, that's right. Because I'm there like with a the girls week before you. The week before me. So I'm there with the girls, the um, Iowa girls um, that weekend. And then I'm flying home Sunday morning because I live in the Burbs and I need to have candy ready for the trick-or-treaters. Yes. Which so, I love. I'm not mad at that. I think but you like, should have candy. I'm sorry. Like I'm not getting in a cat outfit and wearing like no clothes and going to a Halloween party. Like I'm not, I'm too old for the cat nurse outfit. Now here's where we a hundred percent are going to lose people. And I'm sorry. Cause I don't have children, but like it really makes me cringe a little bit, like die inside when I see a whole family like dressed as the Incredibles and the dad and mom are going like, I, okay, I guess I can't comment on it, but it makes me cringe inside a little bit. Does it? It does because I'm like, that's so lame. I'm like, what is like the minivan version? I know. And I guess it's not lame and it's cute, but I'm like, ooh, is that life? That that could be life. And I guess it's a great life. I don't know. I'm just not That'll, there. I know. And I don't you know think we mean? can, like, we don't have kids, so we don't know, but I feel like I would be like one of the moms that puts the witch <laughs> hat on and is like participating with the kids when we take them around. Right. But with like a cocktail in up? my hand. I right. don't know. Like Mrs. Incredible. I hope. Mm, I can't say. I can't say. I really can't. TBD. TBD on that one. I could be Mrs. Incredible. You know what I mean? TBD. You're right. I shouldn't judge, but part of me is like, oh my God, is this life? You know what I'm this saying? Is like, yeah. Yeah. So this is like. I mean, but you do stuff for your kids, you know? You just get into it. It's trick or treat. I'm, I, I'll be interested to see how many it, families get dressed up. Well, I was going to say, but back in the day, I honestly, I take that back. My mom and dad were like, peace. Yeah. Have fun. They didn't no. dress up for anything. No. And I, I think when we were really little, maybe my mom wore like a pumpkin turtleneck. You know, those like when <laughs> yes, those were like in like, like the high turtleneck. My mom probably wore like a pumpkin turtleneck or something to bring oh us around. God, shout but out. But I don't know. If, I don't know if Beth's rocking like and Mrs. Incredible's full like full outfit. Right. Like 100%. I'd be interested to see that. Like how much we'll do you see. how how much do you go in? We'll give a debrief because Halloween actually I love. I have a good friend who lives on Delancey, mm-hmm. which is like if you live in Philly, guys, Delancey's like excuse me, that's a street with some money. Hey, okay. you got some money? Huh? Uh-huh, excuse me. Del- they shut Delancey down during right. Halloween so that kids, because you're in the city, right? They don't want them going up to random apartments so that kids can literally go down Delancey. So awesome. she has a block party, so it's kind of an adult slash kid thing. That's sweet. We'll see. Um, okay, other things. Too old for raves. Oh, I was always too old for raves. No, get out of here. Like, okay, glow sticks. No thanks. Bachelorette in Miami. Like, you got to go to live nightclub. Are you too old, or can you hang? No, I could hang. Yeah, I think I could still hang. Do you want to hang, or do you have to hang? 
I might need to do some hoppers before <laughs> I go out. But yeah, I, I could, no, I want to hang. Also, I need a um, window, meaning could I go out three nights in a row? Hell no. Yeah. Could I go hard and end up in a gutter night one? 100%. That's, yeah, that's what, 100%. I'm good for one night. I'm good for one night for one. bachelorettes. I'm yeah. good for like one day party and chill night. evening kind yeah. of, and then one full night. I'm good. Totally. But I can't do double, double nights. No, last I, I was at a bachelorette party what two weeks ago at the shore. Yeah. I swear to God, I woke up the next morning. I went hard Friday night. I woke up shaking. I was having DTs like tremors the next Jesus. morning. God, we're getting old. I was literally having tremors. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But I don't want to be too old for live. No, you know what I'm saying. Like we still want to be able to like go. Yeah, I could go for one night. I just one need a night. lot of hoppers. But there's no live multiple nights in a row. No, no, cannot do that. Um, also, why don't you um, tell the girls what happened when you went to the Iowa game? <laughs> I left early. Well, wait, you went in person. Give us the whole Okay, context. so I went to Maryland. I went to the Iowa-Maryland game. and um, Because she's an, you're an Iowa Because alum. I went to the University of Iowa. So Jerry and I went to the game. And we went to go visit friends that are, live in Maryland. And we went to the game with them. And so we're in the game and Iowa is killing Maryland. Yeah, it was a blowout. I've had a hot dog. I've had a couple beers. Love a stadium. I, we were ha- right on the 50 yard line, like Fun. four or five rows up. We had great seats, good vibes, but like literally the entire student section left at halftime and like people are leaving because they're just getting killed. Like yeah. Iowa's just killing them. Yeah. And we had a uh, bridal shower the next day. So me and the bride were like kind of looking at each other and we're like, hey, should we go home? Should we stay? Like, yeah. what should we do? And I was like, I'm too old to stay in a stadium and stand for another whole inning. I'd rather be in my bed, like snuggling and cuddling and like hanging out, a whole having girl talk. A whole quarter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the whole second half, I jumped in a lift, peaced out. We left the boys at the game to watch the end of the game. And we got home early so we could like hang out, get ready for the shower the yeah. next day and just relax and like I'm girl talk it. and all that good stuff. I'm, I'm too old. Bad. I'm too old. To stay for a full game when it's getting absolute massacred. And you're like standing the whole time. Yeah. You're cheering. It's like, I did it. I had my peanuts. I had my hot dog. I had all my beers. I was like ready to go at halftime. I'm getting old. I mean, hey, it happens to the best of us. But all these young kids left. Like all these college kids left. Well, they were probably going to do hoppers. Loser Maryland fans that like can't even hang. But see, okay. Side note. You know what I really wish? Like, okay, you were never in a sorority, right? Uh, For a month. For we need to talk about that because Georgetown did not have sororities, but I feel like I was made for a sorority. I was a Delta Delta Gamma for one month. What happened? So in between playing field hockey and ending my field hockey career and starting my civilian lifestyle, which was my sophomore year. Yes. I was like, oh, like I need to like do stuff. So before I started working for the athletic department and met Jer and like doing all this other stuff, I was like, oh, maybe I'll go out for a sorority. So I went through the whole the rush rush deal. Thing. See, it intrigues me because we didn't have it. It is mind blowing. Oh, it's I, mind blowing. I was born for a sorority. Like you have to wear certain outfits on certain days. Oh. You just sit in these chairs. These women judge you. You either get a bid to go the next day. You house. don't get a bid. They sing songs the to you as you the door. I love that yeah. shit. And you're like, how many bids am I going to get? And then what house is going to like? It's like fucking Gryffindor and Slytherin and Hufflepuff. You're like, which house? Okay, am I going to go to? I don't even. I think those are Potter references. Those are Harry Potter no, houses. Don't give me PTSD because you know I dated a dude who talked about Harry Potter and I was like, uh, get lost. Oh my God. I love HP. So I <laughs> love Harry Potter. So, but what a mind blowing experience that was. And then you're just being judged the entire day. Like 
from your right. outfit that is also like to what you're doing to what you're talking an about issue. and you just get you're like interviewed for these this full week of rush week yeah. and then you get a letter at the end and then you meet your house at the end of it so i was a delta delta gamma throw it up um oh my god i lasted one month and then once I found out, like, cause I lived with my, I was living with my roommate. In the house. Oh no, no, yeah, no. no. Like I, I had like, I, like you were in an apartment and I was a sophomore or no, I was a junior at the time when I rushed and I was like living with my best friends from college, like okay. softball, I mean, soccer and field hockey players. And we're all living together. And there was like no reason for me to live in the house. Yeah. And then like dues came and then it was like, wait, am I paying for friends? But I already have friends and I was going to like one event and I was like, right. this is not for me. It wasn't. This wasn't yeah. for me. Now, if you are looking to make friends and like you're going to a new school, it's a great way to like, yeah, make some compadres. Get Greek. But what what a wild experience. Oh, I I feel like I would eat it up. Like if I could go back to college, I might go to a school that had. You would be a president of a sorority for sure. Oh, I. You would run would that show. Love it. You would run it. I'd haze. Yeah, I would have. Oh, you would run the whole thing. God. Sorority life. I missed out. We could have our own adult sorority. We really should. Maybe we'll start hazing on my at my birthday party. Perfect. We'll find people. See to who haze can on. come in the door. Who can hang? <laughs> yeah, but I'm definitely too old to stay for a full game when we're getting at, when they're getting actually messed. I mean, those are kind of the things. The last thing that we're too old for, and then we will move on. Um, Mama, don't do connections no more. What if do you mean? I need to get somewhere, and uh, there is a direct flight. Yeah, and it's. A million dollars more. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Ching ching. Yeah. Doesn't matter. No. If I don't have to connect, I don't do it. Mama's not getting on a Spirit Airline flight. Hell no. You ain't going to see me on Spirit Airlines no matter what. I mean, I just can't do it. I can't do Spirit Airlines and I can't do cheap vacations. Yeah. Those were definitely too old for it. We're too old for it. We're too old for it. Just like the quick, cheap, all-inclusive, like Like I can't do it. Rat's nest hotels. Can't do it. No. Just can't do it. But that, I think that's a good thing it's to get too, too old for. Yeah, you just like get to a certain standard where you're like, you can't do it. Oh my God, we need to do a whole episode on flying though. I rage in the airport. I rage. What do you mean? I can't stand. First of all, when did people get so rude? Ugh. I'll literally be Ugh. hoisting the bag overhead, men all around. And no I'm not trying. No help. No, literally, they'll sit there. I'm like, excuse me. Good thing I like literally. I'm strong. Yeah. I can lift my own bag. But I was like, I hope this falls on your head. No one's a helper. No, people are a-holes. And then watching people on planes during COVID. Oh, disgusting. It's wild to With see. their toes out, not their mask under their nose. Like, get your life together. It's too much. Over it's just it. too much. We're just learning. It's just the planes are just a lot. Thank God for Planes are disgusting. Now, are you a lounge girl? No, okay. So here's also the deal. I, this is a whole other episode. I don't have status anywhere, mm. nor do I have a credit card that does points. So problems. We, yeah, it's big problems. Yeah. So no, I can't even get into a lounge. So that's also why I rage. Cause I'm with the peasants. <laughs> I'm literally in row 32 a next to the bathroom. You're just hanging out. You're just, hap- just happy to be there. No, Literally Lauren, when they're like boarding group, they'll start with whatever one. I'm literally group 16. Beep boop. And you're like, getting on. yeah. And, <laughs> and just, just hoping to God that you're going to get your bag on a plane. Oh, just rage. hoping to God you're going to get it on there. Oh my God. <laughs> I rage. Okay. Tonight we're talking about crucial conversations. So Here is the deal. These stats, I mean, stats are stats. Data does not lie. We're going to get into this, but 70% of employees avoid difficult conversations in the workplace. Like mind-blowing, but Mm, I believe it. I believe it. It's probably higher. I totally believe it. 53% of employees handle toxic relationships by completely ignoring them. Agree. 
I could totally see it. It's so prevalent and it just needs to be addressed. So we're going to talk about nine tips for handling difficult conversations at work. Yeah, I think it's, and it's really common for situations at work, conversations all around that are really difficult to have. I feel like at work, they're heightened even more because you're just putting on this persona of like this person, you're trying to do your work. You're trying to put a good foot forward. You're trying to have all this together. But I feel like when you're at work, it's heightened even more because of that expectation of like who you are as a worker. Exactly. And 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 then take it personally. You do take it personally. I can't stand when people, or you'll see those memes that are like, you know, I get what they're trying to say, but don't take it personally. It's just a job. I don't buy that for a second. Like you are who you are and a job is a very important piece of you. So it's heightened to your point. But you know, the first tip, I know you kind of touched on it. Don't avoid it. Difficult conversations, the longer you wait, think about anything else in life, the more difficult they're going to be to have and resentment is going to build up. And one thing that I have to say that my supervisor right now does, which I really love, is he makes feedback a common occurrence. Every Mm -hmm. single week, he will give me feedback on what I'm doing during our one-on-ones. And that is very palatable. Yeah. It's it you you're talking right ab- about the week that just happened. It's not like, oh, a performance review 8 months ago you messed up on this. It's real-time actionable feedback. It, you know, that makes conversations a lot easier to have in real time. I think it's interesting though if you have a culture at your work where it's a culture that's rich with feedback and coaching, if that's really a big part of what your culture is, if that's yeah. common practice that when I was working at Disney, that was common, that you were constantly being coached. There was constant feedback that you were getting. Right. It was part of the DNA of the culture of how you work together with people. It was an expectation. In my new role that I'm at, it is not that way. There is Interesting. very little feedback, which I think helps me to get a little bit more anxiety when there is those conversations that need to be difficult because one, I don't know if that's welcomed in that type of feedback right. setting. You're new, so you're trying to navigate the waters of like, how do you even go about giving that person feedback or coaching? And then when I'm asking for it to say, hey, is there any feedback of things I can be doing better or differently as a result of how I kind of outputted this proposal or something like this? It's it's very rare that people give it to me because you can see that's uncomfortable for them. It's not part of the culture. And it is an interesting point. And, and I think too, Lauren, and I know I'm going off on a little tangent, but you're right. It's very much, yes, you want to be the change and you absolutely want to get that feedback that you need. But like you said, you can't run in like a bull in a china shop. No. You have to observe what is the culture, how to really play the game. Um, the one thing I will say too is, you know, especially for the supervisors out there listening, or obviously a lot of people listening will be supervisors or managed people, you know, it's also really tough. Like I do get a lot of feedback, but it's negative feedback mm-hmm. in, in terms of here's what you could do better. Just be careful. You got to sandwich some of that shit. Yeah. It, you get real downtrodden real quick if real you're like, quick. wow, am I good at anything? Any, yeah. Like, am I accomplishing or doing anything the right yeah. way? And yeah. that could be a lot. It, it, it's it's a lot for real on the, on the psyche. So it, we'll get into more of that later, but don't avoid it. Address it. Um, And the other thing I have to say is, we'll get to this, but do it in the right environment. I have also seen, and I've been appalled, people giving feedback in a group setting 
in a meeting that's not meant for that. Like yeah. have a one-on-one, schedule that time, like just know your audience. Totally. Basically. Yeah. And when you're going in and you know that audience, number two tip we want to give you is having a purpose when you're going into that meeting. Right. So what do you want to get out of the conversation? I think what's a critical thing that I would do, and I always do this prior to these type of meetings is write down three things that you want to accomplish and focus on them. Like what, like don't do your laundry list of 30 things that have pissed you off about this person from right. the time you've met them till six years that you've worked together. Right. But what are those three really core nuggets that you're trying to accomplish in the conversation, be really confident about what you're going to say, have the information behind it and go in with a purpose into the conversation. Yeah. I really love that. And you know, when I work with clients, it, it, that's exactly what I tell them, Lauren, like we'll role play a little bit and I'll say, have three bullet points, write it down on a flashcard. You're not going to bring the flashcard in, but the night before, because Remember, a conversation is not a monologue. It's a dialogue with two people. That other person might try to take you in a totally different direction. Yeah. Know the three things, like you said, you want to get accomplished that you want to address while you're in that room because it could be a heyday. Totally. Going, going here, there, and everywhere. Yep. Love it. So third thing on our list, um, be confident, be direct. So I know you have a lot to say on this and we will discuss, but- you know, it really, this is, this is a lot too of that mental or that psyche or pep talk or, or really, you know, being confident in your own skin that you have things to offer. Because if you go into a conversation half-assed, if you go in like, well, I don't want to bother you, but it's going to turn real ugly real quick. Yeah. I think I'm learning this really fast as I've been doubting my confidence a little bit as I started this new job because I went from being the it girl to knowing everything to being in a company for, you know, seven years, eight years of my career to starting a completely new job in a new industry. And you start to lose and doubt that confidence, but that confidence is what makes me as what makes me good. Like that is my differentiator is I walk into a room and I have the confidence of someone who's much older than I am and I can manage a meeting and I can run that. Totally. What's been interesting to me is I've seen my confidence. I've kind of been questioning it a little bit and my attitude has definitely changed because of that questioning of that confidence. And I think it's so important when you're going into these type of conversations, you need to be confident. You need to be direct. You need to know what your purpose is, what you're coming in to say, what you want to get out of the conversation and come in with a sense of knowing like you don't want to be like scared and timid when you're going into these type of conversations. Exactly. And people can read it. People know. Yes, people can read it. And I think the other thing is, you know, I, we coach people on this for interviews, but also crucial conversations in your head. You could sound great. Mm-hmm. but verbalize it before you go in. Practice talking to the mirror, talking to your dog, talking to whoever, because, you know, think about it. Even a simple sentence like, well, I just wanted to talk to you about this. If you have time, I'm sorry to bother you. Versus I'm going to put time on your calendar. There's a topic we need to discuss. Yes. Like go in with that direct, wishy-washy is not going to seize the day. Yes. For sure. Number four, be open to other people's perspectives. That other person who's going to have a perspective and they're going to have to feedback, you need to be open to it. You can't come in with a one-way conversation and hoping to get everything accomplished without listening and getting the perspective of the other person. Totally. To your point, it should be a discussion. It's not just your way or the highway. And, you know, again, we're talking about crucial conversations in general, and we call them crucial or difficult because they are. Everything that's said, you're not going to be a fan of. Like feedback is tough. Sucks. 
It really does. Like, I mean, it's get, good to learn from it. I totally agree, right. especially when you're new and you're learning. Like, you almost crave feedback because you just want to know, like, am I doing a good job? Am I doing a bad job? Like, exactly. am I being successful? Am I even doing the right thing? You're constantly questioning yourself. Exactly. And, you know, really having that constructive criticism is awesome. It's going to make you better. And that really is your boss's job to make you better, not to sugarcoat stuff. But, you know, I'm not going to say it doesn't sometimes feel like a punch in the gut or you're not going to question yourself, but be open to that perspective because I'm sure you've been in the same situation, Lauren. I had a conversation literally a couple months ago where my boss said something to me that blew my mind Hmm. that I was just like, what? I'm per- you're perceiving that like that. Like it was literally like I was talking to an alien mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, Jill, you need to get a different perspective. Cause we come in from such an egocentric lens. We think totally. everyone thinks like us and that's yeah. not the case. Absolutely. So number five tip sort of goes along with number four, be empathetic. Oh, truly shit sucks. It does. And whether you're the one giving that feedback or whether you're the one taking that feedback, just again, know that it's a dialogue. You know, really what I find a lot in my company or recently, you know, people are on edge with COVID and working from home. Like, I feel like it's very quick for people to get very defensive and play the blame game or really come out hot. And it's like, listen, we're all just trying to do our best. We're all just trying. Come at it from that mindset too. No one's trying to sabotage the supply chain. Okay. Well, and I think too, like everyone comes with positive intent. No one shows up to work and is like, man, I really want to fuck over Jill today and like really screw her over. Like no one's saying that. Like I think it's being empathetic and understanding that sometimes it's a, you might have a strong, more confident demeanor and be confident with yourself, but there's some people that that's going to be really hard for them to hear. And you have to be empathetic to that person. And I think one of the things that I like too is when, if they do start to get emotional, understand how that person must be feeling, you know, like put yourself in their shoes, understand the feedback that you're providing to them and make sure that you're kind of being more accepting to that feeling and not just driving right in them to hit your three points and then be like, I'm going to ruin you today. Like have some empathy when you're talking with them. And I think off of this, the more self-aware you are and the more you realize how you are perceived, the better. I will never forget when I started at my company, we had to do an entire workshop about what color are you? Mm-hmm. And I was a red and that's bold and loud and aggressive. And I remember talking to a green who is more about harmony and family. And literally she said to me, when you fight and bounce ideas off of each other or go toe to toe with someone, I think of it as you fighting. Like I shut down. I don't mm-hmm. want to give my opinion during a conference call yeah. when you're being aggressive. Yeah. And I had never heard that before. And it was a light bulb moment. Everyone doesn't operate like you operate. Yeah. And for those who have big personalities, I have a similar thing that happened. We did versatility styles at work and I'm a driver expressive. So I am super driver hit and then very expressive in how I deliver the messaging. I was dealing with an amiable analytical. So someone who's very amiable and that's very analytical. So I am bullet point. They are give me all the information Mm -hmm. and come at it in a different way. And I had that conversation with, hey, how would you like me to approach you when we're working on a project together? Or how should we communicate that's going to be effective? Right. And they're like, Lauren, when you come to my desk and just go boom, 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 and throw five things at me, it takes me about 30 minutes to digest all of that. And I wish you would just put it in an email with your bullet points about what you want and the data to back it up. So it's like, great, totally understand. And then I understand from their perspective what I'm looking to receive from them from a feedback too. So it's understanding people's working styles and their communication styles is big. So important. It's yeah. it's huge. Like we cannot say it enough. It is huge. Yeah. The other thing we're going to talk about 
Number six is using I statements. Starting your sentence with I instead of you. Right. Avoid put downs, promotes positive communication and fosters enthusiasm to find a solution. I just think you need to be really mindful around the language that you're using. And I versus you is a big piece of that. Big time. Big time. Because you is very much a blame game. Yeah. You don't do this. You don't do this. So you're right. Like taking ownership. Number seven, I think honestly is one of the most important tips. Stick to the facts. Stick to the facts. Don't get emotional. Don't bring... Now, I know I just said work is personal. We understand that. But there is a fine line. It is not about emotions. It is about objectivity. It is about where is the data? What is the data? Um, So again, you want to take responsibility for your part. Um, Maybe if you're having a conversation about what went wrong or a situation. Um, And again, try not to let your feelings get in the Mm. way. Like, you know, I take this to heart and I know this sounds so silly, Lauren, but there will be a lot of times, especially with COVID when you're not in the office, you know, people will shoot things off that they would not say to your face. Right. And I really have started living by the rule of I'm not going to respond until the next morning Yeah, when I'm heated. And it's so much better having a night sleep and doing that. If it's not urgent, like taking it in, digesting it before I shoot off a hot email or get my feelings involved. So that's stick to the facts. All right. Number eight. Come up with the solution. Exactly. Don't just be a passive bystander. Mm. Like you need to have every conversation. Like even when I coach clients about, you know, before a performance review or or you do want to have a conversation about where you're going career-wise or trajectory or things along those lines. Like I have a conversation like this coming up tomorrow. I'm really thinking about what can I offer? What direction do I want to go in? Where do I want this role to evolve? Because you need to offer some solutions so the other person isn't just kind of stuck in space with nothing to say. Totally. So. Do it. That's the deal. And then number nine. Follow up to prevent fallout. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, I think this, I mean, we could say this about every conversation in life. Just you want to not let this die on the vine. Like, you want to follow up with that person. Where yeah. are we? How are we? And and whether it's your boss and you do it weekly, whether it was a heated conversation, you give it a few days and then you kind of reach out, hey, are you okay? Are we good kind of thing? Um, it's almost like in dating. You don't want to ghost. Yeah. And if it, if it seems to be that there's some tension schedule, some off time for you and that person to get together, to have just a walk and talk, that kind of conversation, exactly. to get back to saying like, hey, like we went through a difficult conversation. I'm trying to check in on you. I'm trying to make an effort here. Let's make this a little bit better. I think like, where can you meet as individual people, not just as colleagues? Like where can you meet on an individual personal level to kind of help that person get through that difficult piece? I love that. And I think some other things too, like along those lines, you know, I'm a huge believer. It's not possible for everyone, but if you can have these conversations in person, yeah, do it because body language, you're, you're going to act a different way in person than you would over the phone. Like you're just going to be, I don't want to use the word softer, but, but there, you see the person, you identify with them. It's just, it's more of a human connection. The other thing I read, and I will never forget this, Lauren, and I read it a while ago and I'll look up the source, you know, someone, the research showed that when you need to have a difficult conversation, it is much better to like take a walk with that person when you're side by side or say you're having a different conversation 
a difficult conversation with Jer, have it in the car when you're both facing the same direction. Mm. Um, basically, the research showed that you're less defensive. Like, like you can absorb, absorb what it. the other person is saying more. Anyhow, again, that's not always feasible. I understand that, guys. You're, you know, you're in your office, but I just thought it was very interesting. Like, maybe you want to change up your environment, go for a walk, yeah. do that kind of thing, take the person to lunch or coffee, like kind of disarm it a little bit. Yeah. No, I love that. I think it's great. Yeah. So, I mean, those are our nine tips and, you know, at any stage you're going to have these difficult conversations. And I think the the first tip that we started with is the biggest one, like don't avoid them. That is just going to cause further and further tension. But we're going to round this out, guys. We have a couple different scenarios. We wanted to give you some templates, which we found super, super helpful. So some common things, common discussions and employee to supervisor. So us to our boss, right? So what do you do when you don't agree with your boss's decision? Mm. That's a big one because that's going to happen. Yeah. And what's the language that you're using? Exactly. Exactly. Now, you know, again, Lauren, you hit the nail on the head. You need to be aware of the culture and the environment. It is very common in my setting to, we want healthy dialogue. If you don't agree with a point, you should bring it up. Like sort of that, that challenging each other. That's only going to make the science better. Yeah. It's only going to make us better, but that's my environment. It's very much a push and pull. If that's not your environment, maybe it's a one-on-one meeting that you schedule, like yeah. something different. I think it's definitely a one-on-one where you're focused on, you're focused on having respect to that person and making sure that how you're coming about it is in a way that you're having the confidence behind what you're going to say, but you also have a solution that you're going to put in place as well. Like if you're just coming to say like, I don't agree with this and there's no solution for how you're going to solve it or a way that you're going to make it better, then I don't really think you should be coming to your boss about that because you haven't thought it through. Exactly. And I think, you know, a lot of conversations, people say to employ the sandwich technique. And and I really Mm -hmm. do believe this because every conversation is just about human connection and psychology. And the sandwich technique is you sort of give a good thing, the bad thing, and then the good thing. So you really want to end or start with, I'll ultimately respect your decision or, you know what I mean? Let them know you're a team player. You're on their side. You're not out to get them. Yeah. I think, I think an example of this, and like, I think this is great. The text that says is I wanted to talk to you about the recent strategy you put in place. I think it's a great idea. However, I'm worried the rest of the team will feel overworked and this may lower morale over time. If we do example of the approach, again, putting in how you think that you're going to solve it instead, it may get the same results while keeping employees happy. I wanted to bring this to your attention because I know how important company culture is to you. However, I will ultimately respect whatever decision you decide to make. Right. Ultimately, it's in their hands. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But again, it shows that you care. It shows that you're paying attention. It, you know, it, again, no one wants a lemming, but, you know, really know your audience and know the time to, totally. to come in with that. I think the other one that's a big one is when you're feeling overworked it's okay to admit it. And this is a yes. really big one for me right now. I'm starting to feel a little overworked and a little overwhelmed because right. I'm taking on so many projects as a new person and I'm still trying to learn the system. I'm still trying to learn our process. I'm still trying to learn what we're selling. And it's okay for me to say to my boss, you know, I am feeling a little bit overwhelmed at this time with this current project that's taking on my workload. It's just something that I wanted to talk to you about and get your opinion on. It would it be okay if I brought this other teammate in to have to help me out with this because I know they've had an interest in do, kind of running this process. Right. But you're providing a solution for it, but it is okay to vocalize that when you are feeling overwhelmed, as long as you can back it up with what is really on your plate that you have going on. Exactly. And, you know, I think this is tough, especially for someone in your position, Lauren, and and mine too. You know, when you're new, you want to take on projects, you want to prove yourself, you want to do all this kind of stuff. But 
you know, it's, it's a very fine line, but to your point, we want to have data. Like these are the, these are the six projects I'm on. These are the timelines, the metrics, and just, you know, again, looking at it from your manager's perspective as well, they want the work to get done, but want it to get done effectively. So here's the other thing that I see a lot, you know, it's very interesting as an adult and, and, and I'm sure you feel the same way, you know, sometimes I'll find myself being like, can I take off this day to go to a wedding? No, that's, I have vacation days. I have, you're not asking your parents for permission. And a lot of times when people call in sick, I mean, whether it's real or not, you know, they'll give me a whole diatribe of, well, I was up all night. I was throwing up. I think I have food poisoning. Don't feel the need to apologize. You have those vacation and those sick days. You have them. Use them. And again, of course you want to communicate this, but a template is, I woke up feeling too sick to come into the office. I'm going to take a paid sick day. I will update you on my status. Now, the other thing is, you know, sometimes people say, oh, but I'll be around. I'll check my email. Honestly, I'm not a fan of that. When you're no. off, you're off. You're off. Take you're not getting paid. Recover. You're getting paid sick time to take the time. Exactly. Say, I hope I will be back in the office tomorrow. I will keep you updated as exactly. when I might return it. Exactly. It's a sick day for a reason. Like you should be taking care of your health. A hundred percent. So again, not that you're sugarcoating this, but again, stick to the facts. Be objective. I am sick. I'm taking a paid sick day. Thank you for covering. Like that's it. Cover your bases and you're good to go. So the final sort of templates or role play we want to talk about is when you're talking to a coworker, like employee to employee. So this is a huge one and something that I am facing every single day, Mm -hmm. how to ask for help. Yep. So you know, a lot of us, Lauren and I included, we're in sort of roles newer. I'm in a little bit longer, but you know, there's a lot of data, a lot of things that I work on that it would be so much easier if I saw a template, if I saw how a spider plot was done, if I saw like a a presentation, because I feel like a lot of times I'm flying by the seat of my pants and it's a lot more work and it's a lot of reinventing the wheel when the wheel doesn't need to be reinvented. So you know, it's not shameful to ask for help. You know, that's when you start a job or when you're in a job, know who knows what. Yeah. The more you know the other people, the better your work is going to be because you know who to go for. So, or go to, you can say something like, I'm starting to cut data on this study, but I'm getting stuck here. What did you do when you had your data cut? Do you have any slide templates I could use? Like that is going to save you hours. Hours. And they're going to have the information. And it's it, it's also important to say, can I schedule some time with you uh, to brainstorm the potential approaches? Like, can I can I get on your calendar? Because now we're in this virtual world. Right. People are dying in email. Just things are just getting blogged down. It's can I find that time with you one-on-one, having that confident conversation, coming across with what you need and having those approaches. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's it. Second thing in terms of an employee to employee conversation, um, saying no. Mm. So, I mean, at some point in your career, you're going to have to say, I don't have time for that project, or I just can't help out on this. I love this text where it is okay to say no. Again, it's okay. And here's some sample kind of language that Jill and I would use to say like, I would love to help. However, I am currently at capacity because of a few projects. If this is something that can be started next week, I'd be happy to assist then. In that case, I can get my projects done early. I will let you know. But it's being very transparent about where you're at, when you're at capacity, and when you have the availability to help that person and provide that. But you, it is okay to say no. It's exactly. okay. 
Exactly. It's okay to say no. And again, I think a rule of thumb with this is you never want your direct manager to be blindsided. So taking on stretch projects on that one-on-one say, Hey, I was approached to do this, or I do have capacity to do this. Um, like your manager should know what you're working on and, and be able to help you in situations like this. If you feel like you're getting pressured from another department, that kind of thing. Absolutely. And third, final thing, employee to employee, because this happens Mm. dealing with like an annoying slash like distracting coworker. So, I mean, this I want to say it's more in the office, but this can also be remote. Like sometimes you have coworkers who literally want to do everything but work and want to come and chit chat, which has been nice with COVID because you haven't had to deal with that as much. Right. But getting back into the office or even on IM or things like that, like remotely, there are things you can do, like put up your busy in your chats or, you know, block off time in, in your calendar, things like that. But for an example of someone like I literally had a coworker and again, like we were friends, but she wanted to go to a, like a two hour lunch every day. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't do that, that. Yeah. because then guess what? She'd go on her merry way and I'd be there till eight o'clock at night. Totally. So setting boundaries and being respectful about it. And maybe you can do something along the lines of, you know, I, I recognizing that I'm falling behind with mm-hmm. my work, you know, a lot of it, I think I'm just, we have a conversations too much or whatever, kind of soften that blow, but then say, maybe we can schedule some time for coffee once a week, yeah. or maybe we can do lunch every Friday, I love it. just something along those lines. Cause again, it's just going to bite you in the ass. In I the think end. these are good. Yeah. These, everyone this needs is hard. to know this. This is tough stuff to do. It's tough. And you know, what I do with my clients and what Laura and I talk about too is role play. I'm not saying you have to role play every conversation, but talk to someone about it, verbalize it, you know, a friend, someone along those lines, just see how they would perceive it. Like, don't be afraid to have those conversations, not just in your head, but out loud. Absolutely. I mean, that's what we got for you today. Go get it. Go to crucial conversations, girls. You can do this. You can do it. Don't, don't wear a mini skirt out when it's January. Good luck trick or treating. And if anyone shows up at this birthday bash in a mini skirt, they're immediately getting turned away. Immediately. Be like, bye. No way. No thanks. No thanks. Bye bye. Thanks for coming. Come fully dressed. Come fully dressed. And wear a coat. Wear a coat. Wear a coat. Bring a coat. That would be great. I mean, it's kind of, I think it's going to be in a nice place. So we'll see. It'll be awesome. We will uh, alert you guys to where this is going to be, but that is what we have for this week. Next week, tune in. We'll have some details for you, but that's it. Crucial conversations. Go get it. Go get it, girls. You got it. Bye. Bye.